Hey, Courtney. Hey, hey Josh. Really sorry to bother you, yeah. but have you heard about this downsizing thing that they're doing? No. Yeah, so I've heard that if Scott's really nice to you and compliments you today, he might be letting you go. Oh. Just a heads up. Oh, okay. I am not a worrier. I'm not someone that someone would say is fearful or a worrywart. I just let things roll off my back. Usually. Alvin, great job leading worship on Sunday. That was so good. Hey, keep up the great work. You're doing awesome, buddy. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it, Scott. Hey, Courtney. Hey. Oh, my word. Scott punched Andy. Scott? No, this is from basketball. Hey, Courtney. Christian, you seen Courtney? Uh, no. Hmm. I think as long as I'm in here, I'm okay. <gasps> oh, there you are. What are you doing? Just tidying up. Oh, I just want to let you know, great job leading that meeting today. You killed it. Thanks for doing that. Thank you. Once in a while, when you're afraid, you just need to squeeze something. <laughs> Hi, buddy. <laughs> you know, the truth is, is we're all afraid of something. And no matter who you are today, whether you're old or young, we all deal with this emotion called fear. We are all afraid of something. And as through this message, I began to just kind of uh, create a list in my own life of things that I'm afraid of. Things from everyday life to some of my greatest fears. And if you know me, you know some of these things. I've, I've told you these. You know, one of the things that I'm afraid of just kind of on an everyday basis is snakes. I hate snakes. When I'm working in the garden or I'm walking around our, our house and our yard, you can bet that I've calculated, I've looked in every hole and nook and cranny to make sure there aren't any snakes before I take a step. The other thing I'm afraid of is, is being late. I have anxiety when it comes to being late. It's something that I don't like to put people out, and so I'm afraid of being late. And so if you ever invite me over for dinner, you want me to show up at 5.30, invite me at 5.45, because I'm going to be early. <laughs> Another thing I, I, I'm afraid of is flying in planes. I have to do it somewhat on a decently regular schedule for my job, but I just don't like being 30,000 feet in the air, kind of not knowing if things are going well or, or not so well. I, I'm afraid of that. But then I started to write down some things that, man, I'm truly afraid of. Some of my greatest fears. I think of people judging me. I think that's something I'm afraid of. That they would make a judgment call on who I am based off of what they saw on a screen rather than taking the time to get to know my heart and who I am. I'm afraid of being judged by people. I think another thing that, that haunts me is not making an, an impact in life that I would just kind of wander through life aimlessly, not really significantly impacting anybody. And then there's that fear, the greatest fear of them all. The fear that consumes my mind on most days, and it's the fear that my kids wouldn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
The fear that they would live in, in, in our home and be a part of our family and hear the truths of a loving, gracious Savior who gave up everything for them and that they would still choose to reject that, to walk away from that. That is the fear that is the greatest in my life right now. And I would bet probably you have a list just like me. There are things, maybe your list is similar to mine, but also different. And yet, I wonder today what you're afraid of. Let's find out.
that statement is so true. We all fear something. And I would bet that probably for all of us at one point or another, our flashlight went up because we all fear certain things. And here's the thing about fear that I think we often gloss over is that fear is powerful. Fear is a very powerful emotion. It's a very powerful force in our world. In fact, I would put fear right up there with love. We know that love is a crazy, powerful uh, force in our world. It makes people do crazy things, and so does fear. I have seen fear take some of those powerful men and women and bring them to their knees. I have seen fear take some of the greatest leaders. When they were supposed to lead, they found themselves paralyzed because of fear. I have seen fear make people do things that they swear they would never do. And oftentimes, because we, we all deal with fear at some level, we, we have this tendency to gloss over it, pretend like it's not that important or impactful. But the reality is, is fear is very powerful, and we need to take it seriously. And we've been in this series, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Those People. And we're just talking about relationships, how we interact and how we deal with people in our lives that, that drive us crazy and are struggling with certain topics We've talked about proud people. We've talked about those people who, who deal with greed. We've talked about those people living in denial and, and, and have a facade of overlit positivity. And today we're finishing the series by talking about those people who are consumed with fear, that live in worry and anxiety every single day. And the first question we gotta ask is, man, where does that come from? Why do we, most of us deal with fear? Like, why? Where does this stem from? And I think we all have to understand that fear comes really from a lack of control. The reason why we deal with the emotion of fear in most cases is because we realize in our circumstances and in our situations that we've lost control. And for most of us, when we don't have control, when we lose control, it causes us to be afraid. It causes us to fear. And maybe you've dealt with somebody like this, or maybe you are that person, but I want to introduce you to three people who deal with fear, and it looks a little bit differently. The first one, maybe you've interacted with this type of person, I call them the worry wart. The worry wart. This is the person who you know that lives in a constant state of worry. They have anxiety about their kids, their future, their finances, pretty much everything in life. They worry at all times. And, and here's where, it comes control, where control comes in. These people fret over control. The second person that deals with fear that you might have interacted with is the person I like to call the control freak or the micromanager. You know, this is the person that I call the backseat driver. You know, you ever been with one of those? You're, you're driving and they're in the backseat and they're like, hey, you should turn your turn signal on. Hey, you should slow down. I'm like, hey, you should get out of my car. <laughs> Anybody got no time for that? Amen? <laughs> These people always have to be in control. And the, fear, the thing they fear the most is losing control. That's why they look over your shoulder and micromanage you. They manipulate control. The third person that deals with fear is the safety monitor. This is the person who walks through life avoiding risks at all costs. Their sole goal in life, their whole purpose is planning around comfort, planning around control, and they find comfort in control. 
And maybe you've dealt with people like this, or maybe you are one of those people. But what's interesting about the Bible is it talks a lot about fear. In fact, if you were to Google just simply fear in the Bible, you would get a ton of references out of God's word that talks directly to fear. Let me give you a couple. Psalms, Proverbs 29, it says this, the fear of man lays a snare, a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Joshua 1.9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, the opposite of fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 31, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear. Psalms 27, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold, the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? John 14, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Hebrews 13, 6, it says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And this is just a taste of what the Bible talks about fear. And you'll find this common thread in these verses. The Bible says over and over again, do not be afraid. Thou shalt not fear. Why? Because God is on your side. And here when we talk about this type of fear, we have to understand that fear is not of God. Fear is not of God. We don't have to be afraid because God doesn't call us to live out fear. Now let's pause here for a second. Because some of you have been Christians for a while. You've been following God for a while. And you know in Proverbs it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how do we say fear is not of God, but then the Bible says that fear of the Lord is wisdom. Well, you have to understand, I'm talking about two totally separate things. The fear of the Lord, we're actually going to talk about this in two weeks and, and we, when we dig into the book of Proverbs, but it's the fear of the Lord is this holy reverence of who God is. The fear we're talking about is, is this emotional response to, to circumstances, and they're completely different. And God hasn't called us to be afraid. In fact, in his word, he says, do not be afraid. Trust in me. But yet, all throughout the Bible, we see stories and people who dealt with fear just like we do. Some of the most heroic, influential people in God's word, names that we know in the Bible, these people dealt with fear. Think of a man named Moses. Moses is responsible for leading the nation of Israel out of slavery from one of the most powerful empires. And when God called him to do this, this was his response to God. Exodus chapter six, it says, but Moses said to the Lord, since I speak with faltering lips, why would Pharaoh listen to me? And here in this moment, all you see welling up in Moses is fear. I can't talk, God. Why would one of the most powerful men on the earth listen to a guy who has trouble talking? I'm afraid, God. You think of a, a disciple, one of the most impactful, impactful disciples in the early church. His name was Peter. And Peter does something miraculous. Jesus calls him to walk on water. He's, he's doing a miracle. He's walking on water, something that we've probably all tried at our pool or on the lake. I've seen the videos. Don't deny it. He's on the water performing a miracle. And look what happens. Matthew 14, it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Gideon. Another example, God comes to Gideon and he says, hey, I need you to save the nation of Israel. I need you, Gideon. And this is Gideon's response to God. Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. 
Again, Gideon's like, God, you got the wrong guy. Look at my clan. We're the weakest. And look at me. I'm the weakest in my family. I'm afraid, God, you got the wrong guy. Go knock on that door over there. There's where the strong dudes are at. And then maybe one of the most prominent stories of fear in the Old Testament is when God was leading the nation of Israel to the promised land a land that he was giving them, and he tells Moses to do something. Numbers 13, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. That's important. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. And so Moses takes 12 men, and he sends them into the promised land to kind of see what the land was like. Write some things down, bring some things back, so we can know what, what, what this land God is giving us to. And so they come back after 40 days. And this is what they said, verse 25, it says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruits. And so they come back, and they're like, this place is amazing. It flows with milk and honey. (laughs) Now, I don't know about you, but in 2019, I don't get super excited over milk and honey. I'm not like, whoa, can't wait to go to the restaurant called milk and honey. So let's just kind of make it, you know, to today. Let me read this again. They saw the land and, and they said it flowed with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and the good news is, is Chick-fil-A in this land is open on Sundays. <laughs> and we brought some waffle fries back. Here, try these things. <laughs> it's kind of what they're saying. But look what happens next. The next verse they say, but the people who live there are powerful. And their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up there and we should take possession of the land for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And you just see in these 10 men fear, man, these people are strong. We can't, we can't defeat them. And what's interesting is God already said to these people, hey, I'm gonna give this, you this land. Like, I'm gonna give it to you. You just step back and get out of the way and I'll give it to you. You don't even have to lift a finger, just watch me deliver. But then fear stepped in. And fear got in the way of what God was trying to give the nation of Israel. And that's exactly what fear does in our lives is fear keeps us from what God has promised us. Fear lies to us, and it tells us, hey, you got to be careful. you got to watch out. And God's like, hey, just get out of my way and watch me do what only I can do. But fear tells you, it leads you to get in God's way, and it keeps us from the very promises of God's word. That God will never leave us nor forsake us. That he's always been by our side. That he goes before us and comes after us. But yet fear lies to us, and it keeps us from the very promises of God in his word. And all throughout this series, we've been really asking two-pointed questions in our relationships today, and they're based right out of Matthew chapter 7, a place where Jesus talks about dealing in those relationships. And I hope that this has kind of become routine for you, this this verse. I hope maybe it's almost become a place where you've got it memorized, where Jesus says this. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He says, how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And all through this series, we've asked two questions. Two questions about certain topics. The first one is, are you today in a relationship with a spouse, 
with a coworker, with a friend, a family member, someone close to you that is haunted, riddled with fear. They live in anxiety and they struggle with worry on a regular basis. It consumes them. It surrounds them. And you're asking this question, how do I deal in this relationship? How do I help this person? How do I navigate that relationship? Or maybe today you're just saying, you know what? <laughs> That's me. I deal with fear on the regular. Like I am struggling with anxiety and fear. And so let's answer both of those questions this morning. Let's start with maybe you're in this relationship and you're trying to help somebody who is struggling with fear. And I want to give you two warnings before, what I before I tell you what you should do. The first thing I think you have to understand is when you deal with someone who is struggling with fear, fear creates fear. Fear creates fear. You see it in the movies. When, when, some, when a circumstance comes and panic arises, guess what everybody does? We all panic. When people run, everybody else runs because fear creates fear. And when you're in a relationship with someone who is, is dealing with fear, struggling with fear, here's what you got to know is sometimes I think we believe that their fears are often irrational, like they're afraid that dragons or robots are going to take over the world. It's not usually the case. Most people who struggle with fear, their fears make sense. Their fears are, are somewhat rational. You know, most parents fear about their children. Most people fear about, about their finances, their business, their, their health. And, and what often happens is, is man, they're, they're, they're rational fears, but they've consumed people. And so we have to be careful in a relationship like that, that we don't allow what people are afraid of to start becoming what I should be afraid of. We ask the question like, wow, that, that makes sense. Should I now be afraid of that? Should I think about that? Should that consume my world? And we can't allow their fears to become our fears because fear creates fear. I think the second thing we have to understand about fear is where fear leads us. Because fear is one of the greatest motivators. It's often what motivates many of our decisions is we make our decisions out of a place of fear. And what we don't realize is that fear often leads people to the thing they fear the most. This is the, the uncanny, powerful ability of fear. Is fear will actually use itself as a motivator. Most of us, the way we parent, the way we go about life, the way we date, the way we run our business, at some level, fear is motivating maybe some of that. Because I think for all of us, at, at places in our life, fear is motivating us. And what we don't understand about fear is we think fear will motivate us away from that fear. We think, wow, I'm afraid of this, and that fear in my heart will lead me to decisions that will help me to run away from that fear, to get away from that fear. And that's how it starts. That's how fear begins, is it motivates you away. But what we don't often realize is that fear over the course of our life leads us away and then right back to the thing we are most afraid of. Let me put it to you practically. Some of your parents today, your parents or you've been parents. And if you go back into your high school and middle school days, for some of you, that could take a while, so I'll give you a couple seconds to get there. So you get there and, and you realize, for some of us, man, in high school and middle school, we made some pretty big mistakes. Things that we regret, that we wish we could get back, things that have carried to, with us in the future. And as parents, knowing that, the fear that our kids might make the same mistakes. And so out of that fear, we make, uh, we make decisions. 
We make decisions that lead us to become a little bit controlling, to, to become a little bit protective of our kids. And these are good things. Our fear leads us to what seems like good things. Hey, I'm going to protect my kids from making the same mistakes that I made. And we become protective and controlling. And what often happens, not always, is that controlling parenting style causes our kids to rebel, to sneak around. And guess where they end up? In the same mistakes that we feared they would be. That's the crazy thing about fear is it motivates us away but then brings us back to the thing that we fear the most. Most of us, we, we make decisions based off of fear. My parents were divorced and so I'm so afraid of being divorced that out of that fear, it will drive me to do whatever I can to not get divorced. I'll never get married. And fear for us, a lot of us, is one of the greatest motivations. I'm telling you, as Christians, as followers of Christ, people who believe in the truth, fear shouldn't motivate us, faith should. Faith and and trust in our confidence in who God is and the best he has for us should be our motivator, not the fears that we don't want to be in. And the thing we have to remember is, man, I can't lead, I can't parent, I can't guide my life out of fear because often cases, not always, it will lead me right back to the place I fear the most. So how do we navigate a relationship with someone who is fearful? I'll give you two things, two really powerful things. The first thing I would tell you to do is to earn their trust. And then secondly, remind them of the truth. Someone who struggles with fear often has trust issues. That's just the reality. And and to be a good, committed friend to a person struggling with fear, you're going to have to go through this long, slow, agonizing process of loving them to earn their trust. Here's something we, we don't understand about trust is oftentimes we think trust is given, but really that's not true. Trust is earned. And to be a good friend with someone who's struggling with trust issues and fear issues is you're going to have to be committed to them and love them enough to walk through this long, agonizing process to earn their trust. You're going to have to empathize with them. You're going to have to get on their level in order to, to gain authority and trust to speak the truth in their lives. That way, when you have that level of trust, when they do fear, you can remind them, hey, you don't have to fear. God is with you. He's never left you or forsake you. You can trust in him because he has your best in mind, and you remind them of the truth of God's word. The hard battle is learning and being committed to to earning that trust so you can speak the truth in their lives. But maybe today, you're, you're actually not even dealing with that person. Maybe today, it's you. You are constantly consumed with fear. You live in worry and anxiety, and you're tired of it. And you wonder, how do I break free from this fear that I live with every single day? I'm afraid of something, and I want to stop being afraid. And maybe you don't know, and maybe you you just simply ask the question. Maybe we all need to ask this question. Where today in my life am I allowing my fear to keep me from trusting God? Where today in your life are you so afraid that you have actually held so tightly onto something that you're not willing to give it to God. You're not willing to trust God with it. Now, I want to pause here this morning, and I want to, I want to make an important uh, d- differential. Because I think some of you today, you're not actually dealing with fear, you're dealing with concern. And concern is actually a healthy thing. It's okay, and it's very natural to be concerned about your kids. To be concerned about your job, to be concerned about your health. Those are all healthy, godly things. So where does concern cross the line into fear? And I would just give you a couple guardrails to watch after. If you're concerned about something and it becomes, it, it, it controls you, 
You're consumed with it. You can't get it out of your head. It's probably crossed that line into a fear. If today you're not willing to give it to somebody else and trust somebody else with that fear, it's probably gone from a concern to a fear. And we have to go through this, these questions to say, hey, am I concerned today or am I truly fearful? So how do we win this battle with fear? How do we overcome? Well, we gotta know the antidote. We gotta know the cure. And faith is the antidote. Faith is the very thing that helps us overcome our fear. And, and really, faith is the basis, it's the foundation for walking with God. We place our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. We give him our life in faith and we follow him out of that trust that we have for him. But here's the crazy thing about faith, and here's the hard thing about faith, is faith isn't really tangible. You can't really measure it. And so how do we know if we're living in faith or in fear? Like, how do I, how do I know today, man, I'm, I'm stepping out in faith, and I, I kind of want to make faith a little bit more tangible for you today. I want to I make it so you can measure it in your life. As you walk out of here, you can look at your life and say, okay, I am living in fear instead of faith, or man, I am stepping into fear today. And I want to talk about two things. The first one, faith requires trust. Faith requires trust. You can't trust, you can't have faith in something if you don't trust it, and you can't trust something if you don't have faith in it. And the basis of faith lies in trust, placing your trust in God and what he will provide and care for you. And what I love about Psalms chapter 56 is maybe today you're that person who's dealing with fear. I would challenge you to memorize Psalms 56. I challenge you to post it on your fridge, in your car dash, in your dorm at college, in your locker at school because it is so practical. It says this. It says, when I am afraid. So whenever in life that thought that is consuming in your mind and it causes you to fear, that thing you, you are so afraid of, when I am afraid. I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? And so here's Psalms 56, it gives us this, this practical advice for when we feel afraid. It says, hey, whenever you're dealing with fear, fear for your kids, your business, whenever you're struggling with the stress that leads to fear, it says, hey, take that fear and transfer it into trust in God. God, I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna surrender it to you because I trust in you. Proverbs 3, 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I love that last part, all your heart, because the Bible says that the, your heart is the wellspring of life. What that means is everything, this, your heart is the source of really everything you are. And so what's interesting about Proverbs 3, 5 is it gives us kind of this foundational piece to trusting in God. When you trust in God with your heart, it builds a foundation that everything that flows from your heart starts with this level of trust. Trust in God with all your heart, and then everything in your life will be built around this level of trust. Jeremiah 17, it says this, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. And what I love about Jeremiah 17 is it gives us this definition of what trust really is. If faith requires trust, what the heck is trust? It's simply one word. It's confidence. I have confidence in God in all circumstances and in any situation that I actually have more confidence in God than I have in me. Let me put it to you like this. I, I grew up in a house where I had two older brothers. And we stayed in this one room. My whole life, we had one bedroom with three boys in it. Can you imagine how smelly and stinky that place was? 
And so as a kid, what, what kind of stunk about being the youngest of the three boys is I would often have to go to bed all by myself because my brothers were older than me. They always got to stay up later. And so I would find myself as a little boy going to bed alone. And, and, and as a little boy, I hated the dark. I hated to be in my room when the lights were off and my parents wouldn't leave the lights on because they, they thought I would never fall asleep. And so there were many days where I would just lay in my bed just full of fear because it was dark. And so what I learned to do is I would just climb to the edge of the door where I could see some light and I would just wait and I would listen for my brothers to come to bed. And what's so amazing is the moment I heard those footsteps and the moment my brothers came into the room, it was still dark, but I didn't fear because my confidence was in them. I knew that if my brothers were there, they would take care of any problem, that any monster that was back there, my, my brothers would bash in the head with the baseball bat. And so I didn't fear anymore because my confidence was in them. And that's ultimately what trust is. It's, it's looking up at God and saying, hey, whatever you bring my way, I, I, I'm not gonna fear because I, my confidence is in my ability. My confidence is not in my strength. My confidence is in the one true God who gave up everything for me. That is what trust is. And some of you, your greatest fear today is it has to do with God. The reason why you can't trust God is because you, at some level, fear God. You fear his punishment because of all the sin that you've been involved in, because of all your past. And what I love about 1 John is it talks about God's perfect love and what it does with our fears. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And the great news today is the only love that you can experience that is perfect is the love of Jesus Christ. And God's love doesn't give punishment to you, it gives you grace. Grace in the middle of your mess, grace in the middle of your mistakes. Some of you are afraid to come to church today because you thought God was gonna judge you and bring down fire from heaven on you. And guess what? You know what God gives you today? He gives you grace. He gives you love and his love over the course of your life will consistently drive out your fears. So faith requires trust. That's the platform we build off of. But secondly, when you have that trust in God, faith releases control. Faith relinquishes control. And here's what I've learned about my life is I love control too much. We love control too much. When we go on road trips, one of the major reasons why I want to drive is because I like to be in control. Partially because my wife's a bad driver too, but you are, baby. I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> man, the truth about life today is we like to be in control. Do you want to know why I'm afraid to fly on planes? Because I'm not in control. Because I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's a problem or not. If they would allow me to go in the cockpit and fly the plane, I think I'd be all right. <laughs> Everybody else wouldn't be. <laughs> but we like control. We like to have our hands on everything. And that's a problem because here's Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the platform, but then it continues. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, but then lean not on your own understanding. And I love that word lean because what lean is, is it's the shift of power. It's this shift that we make where we actually lean on God instead of ourselves. And in order to lean on God, you have to let go of control of your life. You have to let go of the reins of your life and you have to transition them. You have to lean on God that he'll actually take care of it, that he'll actually provide for you, that he'll actually come through for you. 
And the hard part about this is I don't know about you, but I like to lean on myself. When there's a problem that arises, when my circumstances get haywire, I don't like to lean on God. I like to lean on me because I don't like to ask for help. Because when I ask for help, that means I've got to lean on somebody else or someone else, and I just don't like doing that. It's because I love control. And in order to do what Proverbs 3, 5 says, to lean on God, you actually have to let go of control, and you got to give it to God. Some of you today, you're walking around with all this baggage on your shoulders. You're carrying this weight, and it's daunting, and you're getting tired of it. And God, I think this morning, is just telling you, hey, if you just lean on me, I'll start to carry some of that weight for you. I'll start to carry some of that baggage. And honestly, it might be the most freeing thing for you to actually let go of some things and let God carry them for you. Let me ask you this question this morning. It's a pointed question. A question that you might have to wrestle with. But do you believe God's plans for your life are actually better than the plans you have for your life? I mean, for a second, don't give me like the Christian answer. The one you, you, you would give when, you're, when you're, you're in church. But think about that for a second. Marinate on that for a second. Do you actually believe that the plans that God has for you are actually better than the plans that you can draw up for yourselves? I'll be real if you won't. I know that's true, but sometimes I don't believe it. Sometimes I actually believe if God would just let me to be in charge, I'd draw up a pretty good life for myself. Like, it would be amazing. And I'm telling you, one of the greatest lies that we can believe is that you actually can have something better for you than what God has for you. It's one of the greatest lies, I'm telling you. What you plan for yourself will pale in comparison to what God has in store for your life. And so we have to learn to let go of control. This is what Jeremiah 17 says. It says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who leans on himself. Cursed is the one who banks on his strength and his own understanding and who draws his strength from mere flesh. You see, maybe today, Jeremiah gives us a little insight into why your life is falling apart. Why your marriage is falling apart. Why why your finances don't seem to make sense. Why things are just going haywire. Your kids are rebelling. Because you've trusted in you. You've banked on you. Jeremiah says, hey, cursed is the one who thinks that he's strong enough, he's capable enough. And maybe today the problem in your life is actually you because you've forgotten how to lean, to lean on God, to trust in God. I just ask you this, where are you holding on to control too tightly in your life? Where in your life are you not willing to let go? Where in your life are you gripping down? Maybe it's with your kids, your future, your business, your life, your dating world, your illnesses, your health, your circumstances. Where in your life today are you squeezing tighter when you need to let go? Here's what fear is gonna tell you. When things go bad, fear is gonna tell you, hold on. It's gonna lie to you. It's gonna say, you need to take control of this. You need to get things together. Faith tells you, give it to God. Trust with God. And in order to trust God, you have to relinquish the control of whatever it is. And you gotta say, God, I trust you enough to let you have this. 
And it's gonna take everything. In order to get over fear, you gotta get over your greatest fear. And that greatest fear is, wow, maybe I can't fix this. Maybe I'm the problem and maybe today I need to give it to the one who, who can handle it. Fear's powerful. It'll make you do things that you never thought you'd do. And I just wanna, I wanna end this morning by just asking you a simple but yet hard question. Who do you trust more with your life? You or God? In every area of your life, in everything that it encompasses, your children, your, your finances, your future, your career, your job, your home, all that you are, who do you trust more? You or God? If today your answer is you, you have a reason to be afraid. You should be fearful. But this morning, with your life, if you stand and you say, you know what, I trust the one true living God who gave up himself for me and gave me everything that I need and my trust is in him, you have nothing to be afraid of. Let's pray. God, I know in my own life, man, there are some fears that I've just been unwilling to surrender to you. And it seems so easy to say it on a stage, like just trust God, but it's one of the hardest things to do. God, give us confidence in you that you've never failed us and you never will. And may we learn in the midst of our fears and our worry and in our anxiety that we would just memorize that verse, that we would live out Psalms 56, that when I am afraid, I will trust in you, God. Help us to do that today and tomorrow and in the week and in the year. In Jesus' name.